Hey guys, my name's Echo Kellum. I play Curtis Hall, aka Miss Terrific, on CW Arrow, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. My name is Craig McKenzie, and I'm definitely not the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw so many comic books and became obsessed. Then the internet made me someone who comments on them. To the outside world, I'm a slightly functional human being, but blatantly I use my nerdiness to comment extensively and find others like me. One day, I'll blend into society, but that day is not today. This is Neil Before Pot. Hello, and welcome to another superpowered edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host, Craig McKenzie, and it's time to discuss everything up to the mid-season of the ever-growing Arrowverse. Back from his tiny corner of Earth-something is Chris. Hello, Chris. Oh. Hello, greetings from Earth-something. Welcome to Earth-somewhere. Thank you. It's very cold here. It's very, very, very cold here. <laughs> Whereas, of course, on uh, Earth-something, it's, it's a lot warmer. It's tropical in Scotland. We have palm trees. It's beautiful. Oh, not in this earth, something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. Um, it's very cool. It's very cold. It's freezing. So here we are again talking about Arrowverse TV shows. We recently covered the crossover and we threatened uh, to cover the, the hiatus. So here we are talking about the hiatus. We're on an extended hiatus of until January, although bit of news for those that haven't heard it about Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow they're going to be sharing custody of their time slot so in January Supergirl returns which is almost the name of a film uh, whatever day it is the 15th of January or whatever it is it returns for four weeks and then Legends of Tomorrow returns for nine weeks which takes up to the end of the season then Supergirl will be on until June sometime which I think is a pretty bizarre way to schedule something I always worry when they start messing about with schedules because <laughs> it always ends up killing TV shows. It's like they start messing about with schedules and people can't watch or don't know when to watch and then the ratings go down and then they go, ah, it's the TV show's fault. It's like, no, yeah. stop moving it around the schedule. Although I do understand why they might want to pair Black Lightning with Flash if that's their biggest ratings winner. Yes. Well, maybe it isn't. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't really follow the rating stuff. but I would, And I can't imagine why Flash would be... Um, I can't imagine why people would regard Flash above some of the other ones at this point. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's all good. So, we're here to talk about the hiatus of all the shows. They're all on break. Therefore, we have work to do. So, if there are no objections, I'm not going to go through spoiler-free on all four shows. I'm just going to Launch us straight into the spoiler dimension, or spoiler yeah. whatever. Get, if, if, get <laughs> if 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 you have not seen the the closing episodes of any of the the following shows, then prepare to be spoiled. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Gideon, spoilers. Yes, Captain. Right. So here we go. Uh, we can now say whatever we want within reason. So uh, we shall start in airing order. We shall go with Supergirl, which airs first. It's the first one we watch. So season three so far, we have had eight, eight, nine episodes, although technically eight. I don't count the crossover episode as an episode of Supergirl because it isn't. Um, 
But for more on that, listen to our podcast on that. So of the on the eight episodes, what are you thinking so far? What's your general vibe on, on Supergirl? Um, it's been okay. It's been okay. It's not been as good as last season, I think. Um, it stumbled a little bit for me, but um, I've still been enjoying it. See, I think overall the it's been a stronger season than last season to begin with. I mean, I thought last season stumbled a bit after the, the pretty excellent Superman opening episodes, mm. and then it kind of meandered about, and it kind of did that all season, not picking something, but from episode one, pretty much, it picked a, th- picked a plot line and it's ran with it. So it is another villain hanging around for 23 episodes or 22 episodes or whatever it is sort of story. But at the same time, there is a focus and I like that there's a focus. It's a bit too dark and angsty sometimes at the moment, which doesn't fit Supergirl for me. It's just stop complaining, you know, stop... Stop being angsty. Stop being heartbroken. It's like I, I understand that people get upset when relationships end and stuff like that. But in true CW fashion, it's just world-ending type stuff. Yeah, it's when you do it to all your main characters all at the same time that it sort of overlays it a bit. You kind of need a foil to that. So if if you have one that's breaking up, you need to be one that's happy and bubbly and pulling the other one back and pulling the audience back up as well. Whereas at the moment, you've got both. Uh, Kara and Alex going through sort of relationship hell so as much as you get the scenes of them having ice cream and watching rubbish movies on the sofa that doesn't really pull you back from the rest of the episodes of them uh, sort of having a rubbish love life and, and being very <laughs> gloomy about it um, I do I do like what they've done uh, with introducing uh, Rain uh, with the Samantha character and the sort of slow build for that, I think that's been done really really well this season and I've been quite enjoying that yeah I'd agree I think um, I think Sam has been a great introduction the thing is it's almost coloured my perception of it knowing that what she turns into um, up front so basically when you when you read the internet you know when you read things and you read what people are cast as and you, they, you put it together with what they established last season and the, the kind of mid-season finale type or the, the, the season finale type cliffhanger moment where it showed her pod flying off uh, with Sam being introduced so I already knew she was the villain to start with so I was wondering how she was going to get to that but the thing is if you were somehow able to watch the show in a vacuum completely unaware of what was going on then it's just this tragic story of someone who isn't in control of what they're about to become and it's quite an interesting one at that and I like that the writers are playing with the fact that well, I like that the writers are not assuming that everyone's going to know what's happening to her. So every transition she goes through feels earned. It feels organic. It feels like something that, that comes from the character. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's been quite a neat way of doing it. I, I like the slow relationship build between uh, her and, uh, you know, you've obviously got her working with uh, Lena Luthor. So she's kind of ended up integrated in the group and it seemed like quite a natural fit. And like you say, it, it does, reading stuff on the internet does spoil tons for you. <laughs> so you kind of go, all oh, right, well, I knew there was Even something going to happen here. Be, you know, it's mm. it's like, you know, uh, Odette Annabelle cast us rain. 
or cast as Samantha who will become Rain. And you don't really need to even read articles to find this stuff out, and it's really annoying. And then two weeks before she turned into Rain, they released a picture of it. And, and you know, it's, if you're on Facebook, you just come across these things. It's it's annoying, but it is what it is. Yeah, there's, there should be a Gideon spoiler warning before, uh, <laughs> before reading these articles. Yeah, there should be, but there isn't. So... Um, so yeah, Sam, good character. Uh, I like that she's one of the gal pals. The three of them sitting around, being drinking red wine, and talking <laughs> about stuff. Um, it's good, you know. And uh, she's become a part of the show, so therefore her downfall feels a bit more impactful because she is a part of the show, and uh, there is a lot to lose there. She has a daughter, which I find interesting. The the fact is, she has this connection to humanity that will obviously play into things further on uh, as time goes on and ultimately it will probably be Ruby that pulls her back or or whatever else. Is it Ruby? I think it is Ruby. I think it's Ruby, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, do, I do have the feeling it's, it is going to be that kind of thing that she brings her back in from the cold sort of makes her, makes Samantha take over, yeah. essentially and brings her back. So... It's it's not a shame it's that predictable. They might do something quite surprising with it. But, um, yeah, it's kind of predictable what they're going to do there. Yeah, you can almost see the scene where she's holding a knife or something over Supergirl's head about to deliver the killing blow. And then Ruby runs in yelling, Mom! And, you know, it's a very emotional moment. Everyone cries. And then, I don't know, Sam flies herself into the sun or something like that. You heard it here first, that's what's happening. Season finale, that's what we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> she has the strongest villain of all four shows, I would say, at the moment, though. Um, do you know what? I'd probably agree with you, actually. Because of the way they've built her up and stuff, then, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and... it's. I mean, I do find it a bit weird that she's been out of the world of work for years, apparently, and then suddenly she's the CEO of a company. And <laughs> it's like... That's yeah, not how life works. <laughs> yeah, we wish that's how life worked. But yeah, when when you see her going, oh, I've got my job interview today and I'm going to get my job and do all that, I, th- that was kind of the last position that I thought she was going to end up in. I, <laughs> I did not expect that was going to be, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm now running a multinational, a large multinational. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Although there is mention of a pre-existing connection between her and Lena, so... Uh, that might have something to do with it. Oh, they haven't went into that. They haven't revealed what that connection actually is yet. Mm. Maybe they won't. I always imagine it's like a school thing or something along those lines. But mm. Same adoption agency. No, they weren't. Ad- Sam wasn't in the adoption agency, ignore me. She was just... Because mm. her Earth mother finds her and thinks, yeah, I'll just keep this. <laughs> yeah, it. why not? Bagsy. That's Found it first. Find a child. <laughs> this is mine now. Thank yeah. you. Hide yeah. this alien pod. Just going to drag it through. No one's going to notice. <laughs> it's fine. And I like how they, for Rain, they've been doing the um, the mirror of Kara, or the mirror of Superman, really. She has her own fortress of solitude. Um, she was raised on a farm, but her upbringing was far less, um, far less loving. It was, you know, the, so she, you can see where that kind of hardened edge might come from. So it's like holding up a dark mirror to Superman, even though it should really be holding a dark mirror up to Kara, I suppose. Even, it well, kind, kind of is and kind of isn't. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It kind of is and it kind of isn't at the same time. You're getting a 
a little bit of both, really. But I did, I did like the sort of uh, instead of it being a, an ice fortress, it's basically in the middle of the desert. Yeah, you know, yeah, big sand fortress. I, I, I like that. I thought the it was fortress a neat of sanditude. Sanditude, yeah. Um, <laughs> sandpaper fortress. I don't know. That sounds like a, that sounds like the name of a new Pokemon, doesn't it? Sanditude. <laughs> sanditude. Yeah, <laughs> I could see it. Um, yeah, the. The fortress thing was pretty cool, and uh, I like that kind of the way she's kind of drawn to go on this journey to to find it or to find the location, and then the crystal does the rest. It's again, it's very Superman. You know, that's exactly what he did in the first Richard Donner film. Yeah, no, it definitely definitely seems that way, and um, yeah, I I I liked that. I was going to say scene. It wasn't really. It was about fifteen minutes or so, wasn't it? About ten minutes or so, as she's sort of driving into the middle of nowhere. And I was thinking, why? Why is she heading that way? Yeah. And then, uh, then you see it. I was like, that's a nice reveal. Drawn by an inexplicable compulsion to, to go that way. Yeah. And then the um, the sort of transition scene where she becomes rain was very powerful as well. The sort of you could see her fighting against it there. Yeah. As you did it. And I quite like the fact that, you know, she isn't just a straight bad guy going around killing random people. She's still going after criminals and, and people who might be considered bad, but she's lethal. Her, mm. You know, she, she kills them and then, um, whereas Kara wouldn't, and that's the difference. You know, the, it's not that she's just picking people off indiscriminately, which I think would have been pretty boring. It's the fact that she has some kind of mission and it might be just the kind of flip side of Kara's mission. Just... She's doing the same thing, but her methods are much more brutal. Yes, definitely. And that fight scene they had was was really brutal. Oh, it was a very, very tough fight. And she almost, almost, (laughs) well, we're saying almost won. (laughs) She did, (laughs) she did, she did win, just not a killing blow, you know? Yeah. And it's funny how, um, a week prior to that, and at least from our perspective, Kara had fought another evil kind of version of herself and beat her. Suggests that she just aimed rain at, you know, uh, Nazi Kara and it would have been job done. Yeah, well, you know, it could happen. I mean, I did think at one point that they were almost going to go Superman levels of uh, destruction with the city, you know, as they're smashing through office Christmas parties and things. It was like, oh, skyscrapers are about to start coming down now. But yeah, they don't have that kind of money. They they don't have that budget, so they they scale back a little bit. But at one point, I was like, oh, God, there's a lot lot of destruction going on here. It's beginning to get a bit, you know. Yeah. You can see the tally going up. But yeah, good villain. Uh, definitely a good villain. And uh, I look forward to seeing where it goes from there. How long will it be before Kara finds out who she is? How long will it be before Ruby is put in danger? Which will inevitably happen. What's going to happen with Ruby when her mother apparently abandons her? You know, I suspect Alex will adopt her. Or at least temporarily adopt her. Oh, well, that's a good shout, actually. Good production. Like that. Well, her um, her arc of the season is, I want a child! And therefore she'll be like, you can have this child. Just so happens we have one spare. Just for the purposes of your, your plot. You know, but it'll be fine because it ties, it'll ties in. And it's, you know, it, it can forgive a bit of a contrivance when it, when it is as neatly placed as that is. We have one spare. <laughs> <laughs> That's how kids work, Great. right? <laughs> M- Mackenzie's adoption agency. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know you came in asking for one, but we've got two, so buy one, get one free. (laughs) We don't have any redheads. I could do you something in a brunette. (laughs) (laughs) But... (laughs) Yeah, so that's if you this take this sponsor. ginger, I'll give you another. <laughs> okay. This this week's sponsor is Mackenzie's Adoption Agency. We have children. <laughs> we have spare children. <laughs> we have spare children. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Remember, children are for life, not just for Christmas. <laughs> oh man, this is this is good. <laughs> so, segue into Alex. Uh, I don't think we have any more to say about Samantha really, other than she's has a job for some reason. And um, and a child, and she's a villain. Those are her three main points. So uh, Alex uh, was preparing for her wedding at the start of the season. Uh, we talked about that in the kind of inaugural episode podcast where she wanted to have the biggest, gayest wedding Central City has ever seen, which I'll admit I would have enjoyed looking at. That might have been interesting. But would we have liked to have uh, compared it to the Flash wedding, you know? Yeah. yeah. But we don't get that because apparently the subject of children has never come up before now. So they split up, Alex and Maggie split up because they have differing views on children, on having children, um, which is a shame. Although, I don't know, if I was if I was marrying someone, I'm no expert on relationships or marriage, but if I was marrying someone, it might be a question I'd find out before popping the question. You know, I, I might find these things out. What are, what does she want out of life versus what I want for out of life? Can it, it are they compatible? Yeah, I, I don't know. He's, he's, I mean, I suppose you can take it that they've they've been carried away in this sort of rapid romance kind of thing, and one thing's led to another, and and they've ended up heading towards marriage without going through these fundamentals for want of a better phrase. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, playing devil's advocate on it. But yeah, you would think that before that they would have discussed it, perhaps. Yeah, although the real reason is that Floriana Lima, if that's how you pronounce her name, was leaving um, for reasons that we don't know. I suppose it's not our business to know, but she's she was leaving the show. They didn't want her to leave, so they had to find a way to get rid of her. They had to write her out in some way, and without killing her, which I think would have set the fans off completely, I think um, that might have... That may have been a deal breaker for some people, uh, at least from what I gather reading Twitter sometimes. Uh, they had to come up with some reason, and kids seemed like the most obvious one. So, and the thing is, it's that thing about knowing the background. It doesn't forgive kind of lazy storytelling because it is still lazy storytelling. We've got this problem that we've manufactured to get rid of this character, even though it's beyond their control. The fact is, it just it doesn't quite work for me. That that's the problem I have with it. I do prefer it to them sort of writing her out as dead or making her go on a spiritual retreat or <laughs> uh, or pulling uh, what we will refer to later as the Wally. Um, <laughs> so I suppose it's a way of leaving the door slightly wedged open if she decides, oh, do you know what, I, I will come back or for reasons I am now available again. Yeah. Um, without sort of, like you say, doing a a quick death to try and write her out. Yeah, it would be somewhat more contrived to have every episode where Alex comes in and says, hey, I got a postcard from Maggie. It's like, what does it say? It's like, why doesn't she just send emails like a normal person? <laughs> I don't know. It's either that or they pull a Howard's mum out of Big Bang Theory and just always have her behind the curtain, behind the door, <laughs> just or just leaving, you know. Oh, thanks for coming round. Oh, bye. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
just have sort of pre-recorded voice or, or yeah. you know slightly off screen <laughs> <laughs> what i'm glad about is the fact that the um the breakup was handled maturely they handled it like adults you know they didn't shout and scream at each other they acknowledged that it wasn't going to work for that reason and amicably parted ways they even had that kind of you know they had a, they had a very sincere goodbye moment and it was clear that they weren't you know, th- their feelings hadn't changed. It's just their priorities were different, and it was something that they couldn't work past. I like um, I like when people act like adults in these shows. Yeah, it's a, it's a welcome change, isn't it? Because there's so many of these programs where they do handle it almost like like tantruming kids. Yeah. Um, and you end up seeing episodes and episodes worth of it. Whereas, like you say, it was a very mature mutual breakup. As much as Alex is, you know, and both of them are, appear completely heartbroken at the fact yeah. that they've come to this sort of impasse. At least, it, like you say, it is handled in a mature way. Yeah, definitely. And not so mature is Kara, unfortunately. She is, um, I don't know, she just acts a bit like a, a disgruntled child most of the season when it comes to the the end of her relationship with Monel. But I understand that she's maybe not emotionally ready for that kind of, that, that kind of, event happening in her life because it's been established that she's not the she's not the best luck with romance in the past although you know when you when you look at her you're like what you know, it's, a, it's one of those things it's like oh yeah uh, this these hopelessly attractive people just can't can't find someone to to be with that's that's right i, d- I don't know craig have you ever tried removing your glasses <laughs> But it's I that. see, now you've taken your glasses off, yeah. Craig. I think I would be in a relationship with you now. Now you're sorry. <laughs> now put them, put, put them back on for a second, put them back on. No, no, it's all gone. Uh, right, it's, it's, it's always these things in the TV shows. It's like they put on a set of glasses and they put on a slightly dowdy jumper. And they go, no, they're they're totally unattractive now. No one would ever be interested in them. Oh, yeah. And you're like... Hang on a second. They are still remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, like you say, yeah, she's n- n- never been in in love before, or never had this kind of romance before. I suppose maybe not that long term a commitment, or maybe not a relationship where she's been able to be as open as she has as that. Yeah. You know, where someone's known that she's Supergirl, known that she's had superpowers and stuff. Maybe other relationships, she's always had to be quite closed down because, yeah. heaven forbid, they find out her secret. So. I suppose you can twist it that way and you can give them that. But I, I mean, I made my thoughts quite known when we did the, the sort of opening episodes podcast of how I felt about the way Carol was handling it yeah. and the way the character was. I just, I'm not impressed with that at all. It's like she's always been quite a bubbly, bouncy character. Yeah. If you make all your characters glum, you end up doing what Flash did so badly in previous stuff, where they've had every character being gloomy. No one wants to see a gloomy Cisco, and I would go along <laughs> the same lines with a gloomy Kara or yeah. a gloomy Wynn. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. Yeah, it really doesn't. And the the problem with it is, is it makes the lead character in the show kind of, kind of depressing to watch, which you just don't want, and. It persisted for longer than it should have, you know, it was, I mean, going from, you know, going from I'm upset, so therefore I'm turning my back on everyone, to I'm still upset and I'm just going to be miserable around everyone. It was like the episode where she was, um, where Lena had taken control of Catco and she was just running around, like, not paying attention to anything, you know, just doing her own thing. And it was like, you're just 
you're just dragging everything down. And I get that she's upset, and I can understand that she is. But I also think that there's a more realistic way that they could have handled it. It's just, it feels, it's just like the bleeding heart world crashing down around us sort of thing. And it, it's just not, it's just not good. You know, it, it doesn't feel real. It just feels like they're just, they're trying to, they're trying to provoke an emotional reaction from the audience, but they're not earning it. Mm. No, no, I do agree with you. Uh, definitely with that. Yeah. But she does pick up. You know, and, and the whole um, Monel is married thing, that's already irritating me in the way that they're handling that because it's the, you know, it's Monel and Imra acting um, all lovey dovey around each other while Kara scowls from the, you know, from the sidelines. <laughs> and, and, and then she's just like, you know what, whatever, I just can't deal with this. And again, it's difficult because from Monel's point of view, he's been gone for like seven years. But from Kara's point of view, it's been a few months, so it's much more raw for her than it is for him. But then, at the same time, I'm tired of love triangles. I, do you know what? And the thing is, like uh, we were saying earlier on about um, sort of predictable stuff or pr- potentially predictable stuff with Ruby occurring later in the season, I also have this horrible thing of thinking, yeah, they're going to get caught kissing in a corridor. The first time they finally <laughs> rekindle the romance slightly, they're going to have a kiss in a corner of the DEO, and who's going to walk around the corner but the wife? And then that will be it, and it will all kick off again. And you're like, oh. I alternatively, see she's like a out. yeah. Alternatively, she's a telepath, so she doesn't even have to catch them. Yeah, yeah. Just need to catch <laughs> you thinking about it. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm not married, but I can imagine that would be a living hell for a husband. <laughs> Just saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, honey, do I look fat in this? How dare you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Monel's yeah. return was was a bit weird for me as well because there was that thing where he was just keeping a secret for the sake of we. You know, for the sake of we can't reveal this until the episode's about half an hour in. So it was just him sitting there not talking about what he was doing. And then it took Wynn trying to get through to him in order for them to try something. But the thing is, if he'd been like, right, okay, I'm from the 31st century. Our ship was, our ship broke and we were in suspended animation. We just so happened to wake up a few months after I left. That was lucky. So uh, here we are. We need the ship fixed now. Please help. That was all he really needed to say. Yeah, I think that it's like you say that that's what they needed to do, and it would have worked. But yeah, I but don't know. Angst. You need the angst of the reveal of Imra. Yes, angst, and then potentially uh, in the future you're going to have. Oh, we know where stuff goes wrong in the past, and I can't help but try and change the future by tweaking this one sudden little thing, and then it all goes wrong. Well, I'm surprised they didn't address that when it came to um, Rain, you know, um, when when she was introduced. I'm surprised that at least Jean didn't ask, did this happen? Mm. You know, what do you, do you know anything about this? Do you know, you know, and even if uh, Monel or Imra or both of them had said, we can't tell you, we're not interfering with the, the natural course of history. Fine, at least you've addressed it. Yeah, you've got to do your own thing and pretend that we are not here because we yeah. originally wouldn't have been here. Yeah. But I suppose by them already turning up, it's already changed, so what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, timey-wimey. Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly. Uh, yeah. We did, or will do, another po- a whole podcast on, on time travel and TV shows. So In the future, or in the past, <laughs> or today. Uh, potentially it's there now. Uh, who knows? 
who knows just keep listening and see what happens coming soon in the past to a podcast near you or beside you or, or slightly close to your being yeah or maybe it's already gone <laughs> seriously i need to get that podcast up but it's been too long yeah i think we've been promising it now for about the last eight or nine podcasts i think i think a lot of the information is now inaccurate i think that's actually <laughs> i think it's been that long yeah, several shows have been cancelled since the <laughs> recording uh yeah. yeah. Stargate is still a thing, isn't it? Uh, right, okay. <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation, can't wait for season seven. Yeah. <laughs> so, Monel uh, kind of turns up towards the end, and it's whatever, it is what it is. Um, maybe it'll get more interesting as it goes. I am interested in the fact that they're going to be introducing the Legion of Superheroes. If you don't know what they are, they're a future team inspired by Superman to continue in his in his stead. You know, they're from the 31st century, as we've established. This version of them are inspired by Kara, which makes sense. Because it would be a bit like, oh, yeah, I formed this team based on your cousin. Oh, well, that's that's a bit of a kick in the I, I would, I would have, I would have settled for we we base this team on you and yeah. your cousin. Yeah. I, I think surely in the future they are still sitting there thinking about Superman as well. Yeah, but but yeah, saying yeah based on you, I suppose it works. But yeah, unless my crossover theory is true, the uh, ne- for next year the death of Superman. Dun dun dun. Mm. I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that in there so that when I'm wrong, it's everywhere. It's in more places. Yeah, I'll be wrong. Just watch this. And if, and if it's right, you will play this back and you'll go, told you so! Told you, told you, told you! That's right, that's right. I will gloat. I will bang that gong in a year's time. So, the Legion of Superheroes, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. It looks like they're all on board the ship. They just haven't woken them up yet. For some reason. Um, haven't and, chanced them yet. Yeah, well... <laughs> I think they probably have. But the next episode is called The Legion of Superheroes, so that, that gives us a All right, clue. well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My prediction was wrong already. Yeah. So Put my gong away, with, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what they'll do with them is beyond me, but uh, I'd quite like to see how, I guess, in Smallville, when they introduced them, what they what they had was you had three characters. Imra was one of them, but she was played by someone else, naturally. Uh, it was... So it was Saturn Girl, who is Imra. There was Lightning Lad. I can't remember his actual name. And I can't remember the other guy's name either. But anyway, they appeared in Smallville. And they met Clark Kent when, let's face it, he was a bit of a screw-up. Uh, before he before he was in Superman, because uh, it was Smallville. And they were pretty disappointed by him. They were like, this guy becomes the Man of Steel? What? You know, uh, and it'd be interesting to see if they go a diff- similar route with Kara. Uh, the reaction to Kara, how do they, what do they actually think of her, her methods, or are they going to be really impressed by her? It's almost pretty boring if they are, like, impressed. Yeah, I would, I would like for them to be bitterly disappointed at meeting their idol. Or I even, think like, that would, even if they don't disapprove of how she operates, even if it's just, um, this isn't quite what we expected. Mm. You know, and... It's the meet your heroes thing, right? You know, sometimes you'll meet a celebrity and they won't uh, measure up to your idea of them. Um, and after that, you never see them the same way again. Or, you know, the, the, there's something to play with there for sure. It's so many times where it's the thing of, oh, I can't wait to talk to them. Oh, I really love their music. Oh, they're coming into the studio. I'm going to get to chat to them. And then they come in and you go, oh, you're as boring as hell. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 
Let's not name names, just in case. I'm not naming any names. I was almost, inv- <laughs> I was almost involved in one scandal this week, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say what that was, because... No, you don't we, won't. Know. <laughs> yeah, we, won't, we won't reveal the information on that podcast. We'll reveal it on this one instead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Litigation <laughs> avoided. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> right. Yeah, so... Um, Talked about Cara, talked about Alex, talked about Monel. Uh, Jean had a bit of a thing going where he found out his dad was alive. That's convenient. The one green Martian that's alive on Mars is um, his dad, which is fair enough. Uh, I liked that episode. It was cool to see Mars, even though it was like very TV budget Mars. A lot of caves with red rocks in them. Fair enough. And um, at least they tried to explain why the white Martians were looking like humans. And specifically black people. And it was interesting because because John showed up, it was the whole, it's a mark of respect to assume the form of a visitor. Mm. And then, you know, the, since John was wearing the face of a black man, they all became black. So that's fair enough. And it's also a bit of visual um, anchorage. This is what, what it, when you see a group like this, they are white Martians. Although it's a bit kind of marginalising as well. I don't know. It's it's good and it's bad, I suppose. But as short, visual shorthand, you see it and you're like, White Martian's cool, fine. Also, you get to see John's car slash spaceship, yeah, uh, which so then cool. appears in a couple of other episodes afterwards. But yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. I like that. Very, very cool. Uh, you also get a very nice uh, scene of Supergirl arriving in the car to beat everyone up, which is... <laughs> <laughs> to like, the tune of Hit Me Baby One More Time. Yeah. That was... I'm so- <laughs> I'm bitterly disappointed that the tune that that music didn't uh, wasn't played throughout the action sequence. Uh, it, should, it should have stayed. It. Maybe they've only paid for a certain time of it, but yeah, yeah that was. It. I, it should have stayed with that. Yeah, and that was one of the first times you saw Kara being a bit cheery, didn't you? you know? She was, she was very kind of a, she was kind of very jokey and quippy in that in in that scene in the episode. And the bit where she was talking about car, that was quite funny as well. Yeah, you also see her sort of taking charge a little bit and, and sort of coming between John, sort of not running off the handle a little bit, but not quite thinking straight, and she comes yeah. in the way and sort of sorts him out, when normally it's the other way around. He sort of turns around and goes, no, you should handle it this way, and this is why, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, I liked, I liked the introduction of his dad. Um, I like the little bits of him sort of showing him earth and trying to explain things, though sometimes they play the gag a little bit too far. Brown water. Um, other brown water. <laughs> right okay he's an alien i get it yeah and there was that, john's and a workaholic john's a workaholic however he has seen star wars he has so i, I like i like the little um let's call it a bromance thing between him and win that seems to be like little brewing little moments yeah though when when's one of the characters that doesn't seem to have had a lot to do yet which is a bit of a shame once again yeah it's a shame uh he was quite good in the, the the last episode, though, where he was the one that tried to um, take some of the emotional weight off Kara when she had to deal with Monel and his wife. And um, Wynne was like, have you tried beer? Yes. And, yeah, so that was that was a nice little friend moment. You know, he was the best friend. He saw the he saw what Kara needed and, and made it happen. He's had a lot of those, though, where, you know, because the other characters have all been as gloomy as hell, they've sort of went, oh, let's give Wynn a little one-liner to throw in. Yeah. But it's like, it doesn't matter how much firefighting he does, that's not going out. It's like, <laughs> the gloom is still there, you know. It's yeah. nice to have these little light moments. But I'd like to see him get a, a, a little bit, because he, I, I quite liked that character, especially in the first season. I thought he was quite funny, so. 
it wasn't in the first season so much that I liked him, at least not to begin with, although he mm. did grow on me eventually. Um, the, I think the... The, the fact that the he assumed, helped, yeah. yeah, the fact that he assumed that Kara wasn't into him because she was a lesbian was about like, well, that doesn't paint you in the best light, really, for the way you see the world, you know. But um, he got better, I think. I think everybody has gotten better over over the course of it. But yeah, he's not had much to do other than you know hold the tablet and tell them what's written on it. That's that's Wynn's primary function most of the time. Yes, guy, guy with keyboard. Yeah. He is the Cisco slash Felicity slash Win <laughs> character who uh, sits there and types and goes, the oh, they're, they're there now. He is the Win <laughs> character, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jean with the whole family stuff was quite interesting. Uh, his dad is voiced by the guy that did the animated Martian Manhunter in the Justice League series. So um, that's cool. A bit, of, a bit of a throwback there for for those who are interested. Um, they haven't done an awful lot with it since, or not an awful lot that's interesting. The, the idea that Jean has to get used to having a family member around, fair enough. I don't know, maybe more will come of it, but um, certainly the episode where he was trying to reconnect with his dad was, was very powerful. Um, and the way Kara was able to, to facilitate the kind of healing of the relationship between them meant that, despite the ep- fact the episode wasn't about her, she had a, an important function in that episode without detracting from what else was going on. Well, I'm kind of looking forward to the standalone episode now that uh, the standalone uh, series. Now that he's got his own flat with his dad, I'm looking forward to the sort of fish out of water comedy uh, yeah. thing that's going to be happening. You know, it's going to be Frasier, but with Martians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why not? You know, He'll bring his brother in. Oh, his brother's alive too. Fine. Yeah. You know, he's been on the planet for years. He's just arrived. <laughs> what will the two get up to? What will happen next? Yeah. Stay tuned, folks. Yeah, and they'll get a dog. Be- be interesting, yeah. I know. Yeah. Martian and Sons. Martian in Manhattan was shot in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. Martian Manhattan, with emphasis. On yeah. I don't know. There's a concept there. Say so CW, if you're listening, we're interested yeah. Yeah. in writing it. We're, we're available for your writers' room anytime. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, we're available. <laughs> That's it. I'm. Uh, I really need the money. Yeah. Um, uh, on to Lena, I suppose. Um, she hasn't had an awful lot to do either. Although, uh, what she has had to do has been quite interesting. Her taking over at Catco is a bit strange because it's like she's a jur- you know she's moving into journalism and and getting under James's skin and possibly getting under James in other ways as time goes on. Did I say that out loud? I think you did. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Lena is doing stuff. Um, I quite like the one where she thought she was responsible for kids having lead poisoning. Yeah, I thought that was quite a powerful episode. You know, you sort of saw the inner trauma. I don't know, a bit of cliched sort of thing about the sort of the two edged thing where she thought she was responsible, and then you kind of knew it was going to be discovered that it wasn't really her responsibility. Yeah. You kind of had the feeling of that. Throughout, but but no, I did, I did like the way that she held herself during that episode, and I, I do like Lena's character. I, uh, I think she's quite neat. She's no, she's no Cat Grant, but she's um, the sort of fun little character that they play about with, and they still sort of keep her there. The same with um, uh, with James. Um, I think he's an all right character, but they're not really doing too 
much with him. They've kind of got the little interplay between uh, Lena and him, and that's about yeah. it at the moment. Occasionally, he turns up to say words, but it is a very, you know, like they've forgotten a bit, a bit like when they've, they've sort of run out of things to do. He had his weird guardian phase, and now he's out of that, and he's. You know, occasional meetings around the room where he's pointing at the sports guy and the features guy and saying, I need a feature on this. Of yeah, course you do, he's, boss. <laughs> he's very much... Um, he's, he is very much in a better place than he was last season, though. The idea that hmm. he is... You know, he, he's propping up the Catco side of things. Uh, and the fact that Lena's there as well gives another reason for that um, for that location to be there. Rather than last season, where nobody could be arsed being there, apparently. Cara was never there. James was never there. How anything got done is beyond me. But the. <laughs> so it's, it's much better, and it's it's not quite, as you say, it's not as good as when Cat was kicking about. However, it's better um, than it was. And James is much better placed in that situation where he can influence people using the media. As I say, but as you say, he's had very little to do. Lena has. You know, she's had little bits of like emotional vulnerability and and all that stuff, and her rivalry with Morgan Edge is, yeah, whatever. It's not that exciting. Morgan Edge is rubbish though, and he hasn't gotten any better. Yeah, it does seem like we need a petty villain to be running about at the moment while we do the slow build with yeah. rain. It's like we need we need someone to be running about being maniacal and occasionally moustache twirly yeah. while we work on the proper villain for the the season. And uh, I, do you know what? It's he's just pretty generic he's not There's nothing to him nothing to him. no yeah it's like the oh someone tried to kill you lena on christmas who would do that i love christmas so therefore it can't be me wink <laughs> it totally wasn't but you've given me a great idea here take my company mug <laughs> and the whole i'm gonna poison children plan that's like that's heavy duty just to prove a point i mean yeah it's like right. He's, the thing is, they make him a, a proper evil villain, but at the end you get no satisfaction of the guy being locked up. He's still sitting in his big tower going, Mwahaha. It's like, I'm completely isolated from all of this. I'm just going to keep doing maniacal things until I'm no longer needed. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Then I'll go quiet for a long, long time. <laughs> so that's that's about, um, I think that's about it for all the characters. There aren't really any others um, that I can think of. Yeah. So... On to kind of what were your personal highlights of the season? I know we've already, or lowlights, you know, what was good, what was bad. Uh, we've discussed some of them, Britney Spears, um, that fight sequence, etc. Uh, any others? Um, I kind of liked the episode where they went home and they, they sort of explored a little bit of Cara and Alex's past, them getting Smallville. to know each other's sisters, the little Smallville, yeah, <laughs> Smallville in an episode. Yeah. was quite a nice little, it was a change, it kind of took you out for a little bit so I was like you know what I, I thought that was a nice little a nice little thing to do uh, I wouldn't like to see too much of it but I, I kind of liked it as a one-off I can actually foresee a scenario where or pre-see a scenario I don't know there, at some point when they were probably workshopping the show they must have thought about the, why don't we do Smallville but with a girl and a similar concept was rattling around in people's heads where you had a young Cara uh, and a young Alex at high school solving mysteries, um, which is essentially what Smallville was in its early days. It was, and I'd have watched it. It would have worked, I think. It was, it was good. I mean, the the episode itself was good. It had absolutely nothing to do with anything that was going on. You know, the 
relationship angst stuff was kicking in. It seems like they were fine after a good night's sleep. It wasn't clear whose flashback it was, or indeed if it was anyone's flashback, and it wasn't clear what impact it had on them in the, you know, from then on. So it was just kind of like we need to make some time to film the crossover. We'll have them go to sleep. We'll do this entire other episode with other actors, <laughs> and then we'll they'll wake up, and that's it. And for for itself, it was an incredibly charming little episode. I thought they nailed. They um they nailed the actresses playing the the younger versions, especially Alex. That's like mm. Josh Brolin type casting for, you know, when he was young Tommy Lee Jones and it was pitch perfect. The young Cara did a good job as well. She wasn't quite as good, but she was still good. Um, again, and it was nice to see her, but with a bit of attitude when she was younger. You know, that she seems to have all but lost in her mid twenties, if that's how old she is. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I just I liked it as a little standalone thing, and like you say, I don't know whether when they were pitching stuff, they went, "Oh, we could do some kind of different, slightly tweak, uh, Smallville thing." I mean, I still think they could potentially end up doing another series. It seems that they expand these universes all the time, so so whether they end up going, "Oh, well, that was actually that worked as a little episode. We might do a little run or something." But I mean, their slate's pretty darn full with everything that they've got running now. So uh, completely, you know. You never know, we might get an episode next season where they go, oh, no, that little flashback one worked, so we might do another one. Yeah, why not? Or just little extra scenes with those young actresses mm. again. I guess the previous actress that played young Cara is a bit aged out of the part now. Um, or they're going for something different, I don't know. I don't know how old that other actress was, I suppose. Um, no, they were very good. I mean, I, I wish I could quickly find their names to give them credit, but I think they both did a great job of uh, handling yeah. it because the episode did mainly focus on them. It wasn't really much of a flashback episode apart from, no. you know, you saw a little bit at the beginning of the girls in the car heading out to see their mum and then a bit at the end when they're packing up to go home, but the rest all all was held by them, so they did a great job. When they're singing, bad, when they're singing badly on a road trip home because Supergirl loves a cliche. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the names we're looking for are Isabella Vidovic, who played young Cara, and Olivia Nikanin, or Nikanin, I don't know how you pronounce them, who played young Alex. So well done, young girls. You did those, those names were on the top of my, the tip of my tongue. Uh, yes. I was just about to say them. Absolutely. So uh, that was a highlight for me as well. I really enjoyed it. Uh, other bits throughout the season I've enjoyed here and there, um, but... I don't know. I, I like I like little off format episodes, especially when they're when they're done well. Um, any particular bad points or low lights? Um, I think the opening episode was one of the worst for me, you know, like as an <laughs> overall thing. I, I just I really didn't like it that much. There's been little bits that have peeved me off. Um, the sort of gloominess we've already really touched on. Morgan Edge we've already touched on. Um, yeah, I think I think that's probably about it. There's been little bits and pieces that have nipped me along the way, but I haven't I haven't kept yeah. a list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, one highlight for me actually, I thought the religion bit was was interestingly handled, mostly because I like the uh, nuanced approach they took. Maybe nuanced is the wrong word, but it was a complex approach. What the idea that people might worship Kara because she has a savior of sorts. Uh, who you know saves people from the brink of death, and, and the thing is, there's what you've got is you've got an organised religion that that supports you know that that worships Kara, and she has no right to tell them that they're wrong. 
It might make her uncomfortable, but she can't tell them that they're wrong to do so because of the freedom of religion stuff that, that, that we enjoy as a society. So it's interesting to see that angle explored and the fact that she has to kind of deal with this. Of course, the fact that they're essentially mental doesn't means that they can't stick the landing on that because you've got people that are burning buildings down or putting themselves and others in danger in other ways to get the religion uh, to, to have an experience with Kara who swoops in to save them but she won't save everyone because she can't and that's you know that, that that's where it kind of falls apart because you have that because you do have those complicated ideas and then they don't they can't follow through fully on them because they have to be the villains of the episode. Yeah, it's. I, I kind of get that. I, I did enjoy that episode. I, I enjoyed the way they've handled it, and I've enjoyed the way it's kind of still rolling on as like a source for knowledge, an extra little sort of source because he's always read all the material and things. Yeah. So I, I, I thought that was. Um, yeah, it was another episode that I, I quite liked. And. The the bit I found interesting was oh they're worshiping uh, Supergirl because she's appeared, but you presume that there must be alternate things where they're they're doing the same for Clark. I you imagine. imagine so. Yeah, I found James's account of what it was like to be saved by Superman for the first time was to be really haunting in the way he delivered it. Like the way he was like, well, I almost worship Superman, so I understand where these people are coming from, and. It's an interesting perspective to be the saved from certain death type thing, and and the fact is they brought it. They brought in the first episode again. You know the plane crash from his perspective, so he sees this essentially angel appear from the heavens to pluck him from certain death, and it must be quite a transformative experience. Uh, we yeah, I did think. It, but yeah, I did. I did like that that line of it where they they sort of they did show the plane crash again. And I was like, oh, there's a plane coming down. Oh, this is very familiar to the... Because uh, I think they opened the episode with it, pretty much. That's right, yeah. I was like, oh, this is very familiar. This looks like the exact same. Oh, it is the same one. And I was like, yeah. that's... that's. I, I thought it was a neat way of doing it. And one thing that really stuck out in my head as well was Kara's panic attack. I thought that was very well performed. And apparently they were they were sort of celebrated by the media and things like that for a kind of frank and honest portrayal of of anxiety and mental mental health um the fact that Kara wrecks the elevator and and cat go and it's not brought up again you know that's well that's besides the point i suppose but then, <laughs> you know the way she performed it was she was in the elevator and she felt the walls were closing in on her and and then you got that flashback to her leaving krypton in first person even though the visual effects were slightly ropey it looked great it was really cool just to see all right, she is actually a bit claustrophobic because she was in this pod for years. Yeah, I mean, it must have been a, an experience. I forgot about that scene, actually. It was really, really well handled. Yeah. I was just quickly looking over reviews as I was, you know, here, and it was like, yeah, oh, yeah, that was in that episode and stuff. You know, that, that's what happens when I don't prepare. Um, I don't really have any major low points other than the angst and stuff that we've already talked about, yeah. so... And my prediction for the rest of the season is that um, that Rain will be will have a duality to her that will be the the, the source of her defeat. Um, they will to defeat Rain. They'll have to get through to Samantha. That's what's going to have to happen. And it depends how they do it. But it might be predictable. Yeah. <laughs> Just yep. <laughs> yep. Sorry, I couldn't forget that. <laughs> yeah. 
Cool. Um, so, should we move on to Flash? I don't know how long we've actually spent talking about Supergirl. This, this I know. We, I really should be timing that. We, I think we did Supergirl pretty in-depth there. But, uh, okay. yes, on to, on to Flash. Here we are. We're talking about Flash. Um, it's that time again. So, season four, better than season three. That's my opening statement. I agree. Better than season three. It's still not great, though. Um, it has its moments. It has its moments. I, I like that they've tried to fix some of the bits that we complained about last season. You know, they've they've sorted Cisco out. They've got Caitlin back properly, though it's still not quite explained the whole I'm pretty much in control of this situation now. Uh, they still do, you know, attempts at going, oh, no, no, I'm not actually in control, honest. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I like that they fix some of it. The villain is better than last year, though still has some flaws. And you've still had a, a hell of a lot of the, um, you know, Iris relationship dramas and... <laughs> wedding planning and everything. I'm just glad that they're finally married and it's over. Uh, it's yeah, like, you know, yeah, they're married yeah. and now we've got the inevitable divorce to build up to. So it's... <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm so glad that we're going to get two episodes of married bliss and then it's suddenly going to turn yeah. to divorce. Um, but, it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's better. It's better than it was. I think uh, they fix the tone. The, t- the tone is much better. Though... They've tried to go a bit more season one, although they're consciously trying to be a bit more season one, which is a pain because the thing is, season one was very natural because it was what they were going for. They just went with it. Now they're desperately trying to just mimic that, which sometimes feels like they're trying too hard for me. So sometimes the jokes are like, you're just saying that because you want to provoke a laugh. Whereas in season one, it's Cisco saying that because that's exactly what Cisco would say. Or this mm. is how Barry would react to that. Or, you know, they, so they were playing within. It's like Aaron was talking about during the Thor podcast. The humour came from the characters. Whereas the humour is coming because people want more laughs. And sometimes it just feels painfully transparent. Yeah, there's also, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Dibney. Um <laughs> It's it's comedy Dibney is not pleasing me much. Or Disney, <laughs> as uh, Harry Disney, called him. Disney. Uh, uh, I just it was a character, and then I was like, oh, he's joining the team. Oh, brilliant! Great. Could they not yeah. put him in Meta Jail with everyone else that's been slightly forgotten until they come in handy again? Um, if only if only Barry had a um, if only Barry had someone he could impart wisdom to as a sidekick and teach him how to be a hero. Oh, yeah, use for that. I wonder. You know, some someone that had like a similar power set who could be <laughs> useful in so many situations as a team up. Someone that he's uh, sort of worked with before, got like an almost familial bond to that he could use. Yeah, I get what you're playing at. Sadly, that character doesn't exist. <laughs> I, I don't. No. I don't believe so. Um, the, I mean, I've <laughs> the problem I had with Dibney is his manufacture. His lessons also feel very manufactured. So you've got that episode where he's Barry's trying to teach him ethics, uh, or ethics and how they relate to being a superhero. Fine, no problem there. But he's like, save the innocent person and then go after the bad guy. And it's like Barry, in the time you said that, you could have 
saved the innocent, took them to hospital, and got the villain in jail. Right? You've already established that he is faster than he ever has been. So, if he is fast, use that. Yeah, well, this, this, is, <laughs> this is the problem with Barry, is that he, they seem to permanently... I'm saying permanently change. They seem to randomly change his power level and his ability, depending on what the hell they're handling. Yeah. And like you say, this is this is supposed to be Barry at his fastest. He has beaten Savitar, he's done all this, he's beaten other speedsters, he's beaten Zoom, he's beaten all these people. And yet he still manages to be whammied by the worst metas in the world that come out, you know. Yeah. I am, um, you know, <laughs> and you go, oh, come on, please. It's like, at this point, he should now be zipping about, collecting all the bullets, having everyone tied up, everyone saved, and all done. But obviously, for, for plot and story reasons, and to make the episode longer, it's like yeah. you've got to, you know, you've got to have him uh, being defeated and doing these things where it's like, oh, no, I'll leave this one to Dibney. Um, yeah. And it's the... It's the morality thing, like you say, when he's going, oh, no, now what you've got to do is you've got to save the innocent person and, and you leave the villain. But Dibney's completely incapable of taking on the, those particular villains, and the only reason he's having to do it is because Barry has done something stupid yeah. in the first place and somehow managed to get himself caught in a situation that he wouldn't be in in the first place. And the thing is, I can also understand if, um, what's his name, if, uh, if Barry was taking a risk-based approach to training Dibney. So he thought, right, this villain isn't going to be a huge threat to us, so I can afford to like stand back and let Dibney realise these lessons on his own. That's that's an interesting idea. You know, that's the idea of Barry is almost putting people in danger in order to teach this new hero a lesson. That's you know, that that's showing growth as a as a hero and things like that. But but the idea of uh, no no no, you must like save the innocent and then go after the bad guy and it's like, well there are two of you, so one of you could do one and the other could do the other and um I don't know, I think Barry had a, a sore leg at that point or something like that, didn't he? And, but, but at the same time, you know, you still... they're not. There's only so far the bad guy can go, so... Like, you've still got time to do both. Yeah, I do I do think there's a case of that. I mean, I got it with the, the mugger situation, where the guy tries to mug him. <laughs> and the, with, the guy, with the gun, and you're like, oh, I'll let you handle this. Okay, now here's your, here's your first lesson. And I kind of thought, okay, that's quite funny, it's quite neat, and it's understandable. Almost. Yeah, but then there's the bit where Barry rushes the guy off to hospital when he's not in his flash costume. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe he gets changed en route. He drops him off at Star Labs, quickly gets changed, <laughs> and then zips off to the hospital. I don't know. Yeah. Or, he, or he just leaves him on a gurney outside and yeah. never gets seen. I mean, well, but I mean, I you, when you look like, at it, it's... I know sorry. what the flash looks like. He's some generically handsome, dark-haired guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... The, the other bit is when you go, well, Cisco's proven himself now he's pretty comfortable with his powers he's you know we, we saw during the crossover that he's quite happy to to take on people in a fight now and and use his abilities well so if you were going to team up with someone to maybe go and take on a villain in a in a way would you not just go cisco why don't you come with me and we'll leave iris standing there with the computer and the headset yeah it's problematic and Dibney isn't that good. Uh, I know the elongated man from the comics, and his defining trait, other than stretching, is that he was like one of those superheroes that was in a very committed and healthy relationship. So, and they've turned this guy into a sleaze. And I mean, fair enough. Don't be slavish to the source material. But why pick a character whose defining trait is being in a committed, stable, 
loving relationship and turning him into that. It does seem like a complete switch, but it does seem that it's just done for it's played for laughs yeah. rather than anything else. It's not it's not so much that they've went, Oh, we're gonna change this because of reasons it's like, oh well it's it's either that or or heaven forbid we're gonna have him in several seasons to come. Yeah. And uh, it's gonna be him slowly changing his ways and becoming that man that's committed to his relationship and his woman and we're gonna to have to see that slowly develop over three long years. Oh Christ. Yeah. Um <laughs> it was that episode where he was referring to the female characters by their measurements. That was that was pretty skeezy. Oh what from the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Measuring them on the bus, yeah. And he and he said to Caitlin as well, I'm sure he referred to her by her measurements. Um, I'm starting to understand why Andrew Kreisberg was fired. <laughs> let's not get onto that subject. Yeah, let's That's not. Kind of let's not. But, I'm, I'm not. I'm not having any any litigation. <laughs> I do not agree with any comments here. Views expressed on this podcast may not be my own, despite the fact I'm saying them. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm just saying a guy got fired, and there's a lot of lines about that. There's a lot of lines from this guy who's very sleazy. So you know. To connect, mm. that's all. I'm yeah, saying. They, they obviously had uh, yeah, good inspiration behind some of these. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah, I, I just I'm not. He might grow on me over time, but at the moment, there's occasional funny bits and pieces, and then the rest of it, you're like, oh, this is a bit, this is a bit mince. Yeah, um, they have done some better better work on on the villains in some cases, though. I quite like the um, the idea that. Barry fights metahumans where he doesn't automatically find a way to defeat them, such as the bad luck girl. Uh, she, well, well, she was kind of hilarious, and it was kind of a funny episode. And and the fact is, Barry can't outrun bad luck. That was that was really funny. You know where he slipped on marbles. That that was a good moment, or where he handcuffed did, himself. I, that was that was his stitches. He like. handcuffed himself with the like depowering cuffs, and I thought yeah. that that was good. And, they, and he was like, the "How marbles, is that even possible?" <laughs> yeah, but but the marbles, you're like, who delivers a truckload of marbles? <laughs> I know. I just I don't even. But it's brilliant. I I did like that. I thought it was quite a fun episode the way they did it, and yeah, I, I suppose it was it was one of those. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was it was something. Uh, but I'm trying to think of the other. Oh, the the techno guy, the the no, not the DJ. You know, he's not a DJ. He's a a guy that could control technology. That was quite cool. So he can make a lift, kill someone, or or whatever else. That was um, that was a good villain. Again, it's something that the Flash can't necessarily fight on its own. Yeah, especially when Cisco's just given him like this suit with uh, many different toys to play with. Yeah, that was that was weird. Turns out he didn't take out the tech. Judging by the the latest episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he managed to make the suit inflate. Oh, I quite like the uh, quite like the lenses. Those were cool, and like the heads-up display and things. Keep that. I mean, that was cool stuff. Just a thought. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they still haven't managed to cram it into a ring yet, like they promised two seasons ago. <laughs> you know, there. That'd be cool if Barry could carry his suit around in a ring like he does in the comics. But, I well, think that would be quite neat because well, you've kind of seen that because um, who was it that had that already? Fawn, Fawn yeah. So yeah. Fawn had it. So they know the technology's out there. I think they'll yeah. they'll come up with something neat like that eventually. Well, there was the, there was an episode where Cisco was saying, "How does this work?" to um, to Thorn as well. So, and then there was mention in season two that he was working on it or something like that. So 
I don't know. Maybe Flashpoint got rid of that as well. Buddy Flashpoint. Damn it, Flashpoint. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, on to the Barry and Irish relationship. Oh, yeah. The dreaded subject. Uh, I just find it tough to watch because I don't care. I don't, I don't really give a crap about either of them in that context. And the problem I have with it is something quite fundamental. I don't understand why they're in a relationship. What does Barry like about Iris? What does Iris like about him? What, you know, what do they like about... What is it about each other that that makes them feel the way that they keep saying that they feel? Because you don't see that. It just doesn't exist. So it's... And I think a part of it's to do with the fact that they constantly just show us milestones. So you don't see quiet moments of them just sitting together and, you know... Spit, uh, and just chewing the fat a bit, you know, just chatting or or doing stuff. Um, so I don't I don't understand why the relationship is in existence. I don't, and I still find it quite creepy that essentially that's his sister. Yeah, it was true. Get the, whole, the wedding, you know. You uh, know, my kids, my two kids getting married to each other. Yeah. it's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's totally like yeah, it's like he's just out there thinking. It's still pretty much his sister. I know, genetically speaking, everything is all right. But however, on paper, you're sitting there going, "No, you're you're related." You're you totally spent your related. awkward hormonal teenage years being in the next room to one another. How can how can you get past that? <laughs> yeah, I still find it a bit. And like you say, it, it doesn't seem like a natural relationship because they've not given it the proper time to develop really or they're not sure given it screen time to develop you know obviously there's been time canon wise for them yeah, to there's develop plenty of time, you know, yeah. there's plenty of time but it's the same thing you're sort of sitting there on screen you're thinking this hasn't built naturally it's been very yeah. clunky yeah. in its delivery and even since you're sort of thinking well it seems to do what the plot needs it to do and not flourish on its own and then the plot kicks in it's like oh yeah. no we've went straight we've went straight to this and then the the whole marriage process has been so drawn out with the amount of times it's been cancelled and on again and off again and i was so thinking at the end of the crossover episodes thinking if they do not end this episode with them being married <laughs> i'm gonna cry it's like if, if we go back to oh i've got to find another venue and another dress and you can't see me in my dress and we've got to send out invites and we've got to oh go away but don't no, worry, I, I, we're actually getting married in the season finale. Like, no! No! <laughs> That's another 13 episodes away. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't think there's anyone out, you know, anyone out there that will want to spend their life with me, so I won't need to go through it. However, the amount of TV couples I've seen go through marriage hell has put me off. It's just, I, I won't bother. I'm going to elope. I'm also <laughs> not sure that you'll, your, your wedding will be attacked by uh, evil doppelgangers from uh, Nazi Earth. Although, I could be wrong. Uh, You could be wrong. I mean, you know, I I finally meet that one person, that one (laughs) other person in an entire sea of people that wouldn't, and then it gets attacked by space Nazis or something. Uh, Yeah, yeah. why not? Ah, Bother. (laughs) Bloody flashpoint. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so, so it's a relationship that doesn't work for me because I don't, I don't believe in it. I'm not invested in it. So... That's all I've got to say on it, really. It's just something I've got to put up with. 
and at least now that they're married, we might go back to that nonsense. But they they haven't really. Well, they've only had one episode since they've been married, but they they didn't do much with it in that episode other than the fact that they were just married, which is you know, which is fine. That's what it should be. You've just got this relationship that's on in the background. It doesn't need to be profound anymore. It doesn't need to be profound in the first place. You just have them as a couple that that exist. Fine. The couples therapy stuff drove me up the wall, though. It really did. Because the whole time I was thinking the same thing that a meme came out about, actually. The bit where Iris was blaming Barry for abandoning her. And he was like, oh, you know, or what he should have said was, oh, I'm really sorry I had to, like, go into hell to save the universe. Uh, I'm really sorry that, you know, I've lost all this stuff. Uh, I had to deal with an evil version of myself. And, you know, and, and all this stuff that he could have rattled off that the reason why it really wasn't all about her but it is always all about iris isn't it no i did i did think that was you know i, I did like that meme when it came out at the end some of the couples therapy stuff you know, is quite funny because they're trying to talk their way around the situation yeah but at the same time i think the same could have been achieved with a very loud shouty conversation and been yeah. over and done with yeah and the fact that barry just rolls over and takes it is a bit compromising i think for him because I, th- I think that his ar- his argument should have been heard but he just kind of acquiesced to what iris was thinking and this whole we're the flash nonsense nah shut up <laughs> iris isn't the flash <laughs> but also who died and made our team leader <laughs> she's why is she team leader material like cisco's been doing this a lot longer he has powers he's a genius like why is Iris team leader? Yeah, I, I don't get that. I mean, her newspaper career was going so well over that one article that she did. So, and no, the one article that she hasn't even written yet. Yeah, the article <laughs> in the future that she will write. Uh, you know, she's working on it slowly. But. <laughs> she has the wording in front of her. Like, <laughs> oh, nightmare. But um, yeah, they seem to have segued away from that. She's just, they haven't mentioned what she does, but She's clearly not a journalist anymore, because she can't be. I don't know. I'd love to find out that suddenly she's been actually writing all these articles in the background and just uh, going into work and then coming along. I mean, when you see how much Joe, uh, time Joe spends at Star Labs rather than in the precinct, you think, yeah, his boss would be going, where the hell is he? Is like, oh, yeah, but there Joe's, Joe's a senior detective. He can come and go as he pleases, and he could be saying that he's liaising with people on a case, which he is. So uh, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. But the Iris is the team leader, and I, in theory, I like the idea that the, she was tested. Her leadership skills were tested by, okay, we have two people captured. What do we do? And she's like, well, we try and find both, and everyone's like, we can't find both. It taxis the satellite for some reason. We don't have enough bandwidth. You're the tech guy. The satellites have bandwidth. Do they have enough to scan for two things? Uh, they have bandwidth, but you'd imagine it would be two separate detectors that are running, not like. Fun and also, it's not scanning a wide area; it's scanning a very small area. So, I'd imagine it would work, but you know, I don't know what kind of satellite they've got. I imagine it's the MacGuffin satellite, and yes. is as flimsy as Barry's powers were. Somehow, the satellite is either immediately able to pinpoint someone on the map, or it will take until the time that is convenient for plot to find someone on the map. Yeah, and the thing is, I, I like the idea that Iris has this impossible choice to make her husband or her friend. Fair enough, and then you've got this, you've got this problem that exists because Cisco is sitting there waiting for instructions, which Cisco has never done. Cisco, Cisco's going to Cisco, right? 
he's going to be like, I'm not listening to her. I'm going to go find my friend. And which friend he goes for is up to whoever is writing the damn thing. But Cisco should have went off on his own and probably found Caitlin on his own, to be honest, rather than anything else. Well, he normally uses his own initiative. You know, the amount yeah. of times that they're, they're they're sitting there going, oh, what are we going to do? And then Cisco walks into the room going, well, I went away and I did this and I did this and I did this and I did yeah. this and I've found this. And you go, oh, brilliant, he's went off and he's discovered it. Whereas in this particular episode, like you say, instead of going off and being Cisco and doing his thing, you know, making a patch so that the satellite can work better or um, focusing on Caitlin, he goes... No, I'm just going to sit here and, and wait and fall out with Dibney. Yeah, and it's out of character. And then it was out of character for Harry to be so calm when telling Iris the blindingly obvious. Uh, what he should have said is, are you stupid? Here's what you need to do. You need to make a choice. Everyone's going crazy. Hurry up. That's that's more Harry. HR no, would have been the uh, the compassionate one, not Harry. Yeah, well, you would have thought, the thing is that she, in the end, doesn't really make the decision until he turns around and goes, for God's sake, will you make a decision so that we yeah. don't fail on both counts? And you're like, it just, I'd have preferred if she had stood up and realised by herself without having to be sort of signposted and flashing lights going, look, this is the episode where she learns about decision making. It's, yeah, but hell. Yeah. We are yeah, where we are. It's all one of those, you know, the, the idea is interesting, but the execution is falling far short of it. Uh, Cisco hasn't had a lot to do this season, come to think of it. There's been little bits of fun with, with Gypsy. He's developed his powers a lot further now. Yeah. He seems to, you know, you get the little fun bits of, uh, you know, the. I quite liked the episode where he met uh, Gypsy's dad. Yes, Danny Trejo, or Trejo, wherever he pronounces his name. Yeah, I thought that was it was quite a fun episode. It was like, yeah. on paper, I probably shouldn't have liked it, but I did. Um, and, yeah, I, I still like Cisco. They've sorted out quite a lot about the character because he was really mopey in the previous season. I was like, oh, for God's sake, that's not what I want Cisco to be like. So I like that they did that. But, um, yeah, like you say, he's not had tons of development in here. They basically resolved all of his problems by putting Caitlin back. Yeah. So instead of him constantly whining about Caitlin, he's he's now got her there working with him again. Yeah, Caitlin's had quite a bit to do. Um, mostly Killer Frost related, kind of balancing the two sides of her. Um, have you noticed these Arrowverse shows have been referencing Marvel a lot recently? I mean, they've referenced the Hulk and they've referenced other things as well in other shows. So um, it's something I've noticed. They've, they've just referenced more and more. So I wonder if Marvel comics exist in the, the TV shows or indeed the Marvel movies or both something to think about well if they're referencing it you imagine there must be some form of uh, you know either the comics are there or the movies or whatever I don't know yeah who knows maybe one day they'll show us the front cover of Captain America or something who knows uh, but yeah so Caitlin is essentially the Hulk she has this other personality living inside her it's not trying to dominate anymore it's just kind of appearing when she gets angry or scared as she said um, which is very plot convenient some of the time, but I quite like I quite like the duality a little bit. I like that uh, Killer Frost hates Caitlin's clothes, and we didn't mention it during the crossover. But Caitlin got changed because she knew she was going to be tough to turn into Killer Frost at some point, and she didn't want the awkward 
I hate these clothes sort of uh, moment. Yeah, the Killer Frost thing I like. I mean, it's been a complete switch. You kind of... The, the way they left it at the end of the the last season was, oh, I'm not Killer Frost, I'm not Caitlin, I am something different. Whereas what we've seen is it's sort of Caitlin, and then when she's scared, she becomes Killer Frost, which is, I suppose, a neat way of doing it. I kind of liked the idea that Killer Frost was, like, randomly hanging out with them, and then they hang out with Caitlin, and a bit of <laughs> yeah. that. I thought was weird, but also funny at the same time. Um, I like, you know, even during the crossover... Uh, I, I think if you if you listen back to the crossover chat, if you're interested in that kind of thing, uh, I mentioned that you know it was nice seeing her in action again. Yeah, getting to use her a little bit. It's um, I think it's like the best of both that they've kind of done with Caitlin. Uh, I, I wouldn't want it to be Killer Frost all the time, and it's nice to see Caitlin back on the team. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I quite like seeing her, seeing them explore her feeling marginalised by herself. Uh, that's quite an interesting little thing that they they could play with. Um, the problem is I still don't understand the split personality thing. And it's interesting if you listen to what Daniel Panabaker, Danielle Panabaker has to say about it, she doesn't understand it either. She she has went on record saying she doesn't she has asked on several occasions why the split personality thing and no one gives her a straight answer. So she doesn't get it. So if she doesn't get it and she's playing the damn thing, then what hope have we got? I I don't know. It was like I, I imagine it was a previous season thing to try and separate the two characters because you wouldn't believe that Caitlin would turn evil and they had no way of explaining. You know, they went for the alternate universe thing and in there there is an evil version of Caitlin who has ice powers. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's fine. That's an alternate universe where Caitlin has ice powers and at that point she turned evil. However, in this one they went, she's got ice powers. However, her evil persona... <laughs> is in the other half, where everyone else that's got powers are like, I am the same, whether I am this way or that way, it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. You don't you don't get evil Cisco when he's using his powers, where yeah. when they went to the other universe, you had slightly evil, twisted Cisco, and it's like, well, oh, why did it happen that way for her and not with anyone else? I don't... It was just so that they had uh, a way to throw the team off guard in the last season, and they've not thought about the long-term repercussions. And it's also the fact that she has no memories from when she was. Yeah, that's but, a bit strange. But but Killer Frost has memory. The Killer Frost has memories of when she's Caitlin. Mm-hmm. It's not like when Killer Frost arrives, she goes, "Where the hell am I? Why am I here?" It's like yeah. she instantly gets to action, taking out the bad guy and not going, "Oh, who am I supposed to be killing here?" I, obviously, Caitlin's scared, so why uh, I'll just kill everyone and, and get out. <laughs> yeah, and I like that she has her own villain as well in Amunet. Aminet, uh, Aminet, however you pronounce it, uh, played by the the excellent character actress Katie Sackhoff, who was in Battlestar Galactica among other things. And, yeah, uh, yeah, she's good. Uh, her she's a bit lame power wise, and the fact that they keep letting her go confuses me. Yeah, she keeps sort of getting away, and you're like, well, surely this this is another one of those. It's not that she Bar- Barry away. would have caught her now. Letting her go, they they told her to go away both times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that's to say. Yeah, you're fine. We can we can deal with you later. I mean, I I mean, I really like uh, Katie Sackhoff. It's good seeing her and something. I've got to admit that when when she first came on, I was like, she looks familiar. Where have I seen her before? I mean, despite the fact that she's in this ridiculous sort of get up as that character <laughs> and very sort of over the top, but uh, you know, quickly on IMDb going, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? But um, her but yeah, she was English accent as well. <laughs> yeah, she was. Um, yeah, like. 
I, I like that she's sort of got her own villain and it's kind of a little subplot, but it's still tied into the main plot. They've done it quite neatly. Yeah. Um, in particular with that, that final episode, they sort of tied the two together when you f- at first think, oh, well, this is completely unrelated or almost unrelated, you know, because you know that ed- everyone that got the powers on the bus was, you know, due to the the thinker. Yeah. But, you know, you still kind of thought, well, this is a separate bit, but, you know. Very, yeah. very neatly done, I think. It's been a nice little side, sideway thing. Yeah, and since you mentioned the thinker, it's a good time to talk about him. Uh, Clifford DeVoe and his wife Marlies, the thinker and the mechanic, respectively. They, um, they are the main villain of the season, at least as far as we know for now. Uh, the, I have problems with the fact that the writers can't seem to write the smartest man alive. The, so the thing is, a lot of his... A lot of his plans seem quite random, and then when Barry directly asked him, "What are you? You know, what's your plan?" He said, "You wouldn't understand." Um, yeah. No, that's um, that's a cop out. You wouldn't cop understand out. means yeah. we haven't written it. Uh, yeah, we, have we don't no idea. know. Yeah. Uh, and there's also, as you said in the first episode, when his last line was, "I'm thinking," his his line should have just been all part of the plan or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking. As in, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't quite thought of this yet. Uh, hang on, uh, give no, me a no, second. this should just be the first step in your intricate 100 step plan. But, but also, I mean, I always hate these plans where it all falls on coincidence. Yeah, it all falls on you know things. So, in particular, that last episode is like, oh well, they finally got married. Which I suppose was on the cards, yes, but you know, then it all falls apart, and then it all yeah. things. So I get to send them the knife. Oh yeah, what had happened if the the wedding hadn't went ahead? What was what was just because a knife <laughs> arrived in the post anyway, or you know? Yeah, it's oh, there's, there's little yeah. yeah oh, someone sent someone sent me a knife. Oh great, yeah. Oh, it's only half a set. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, it's like, <laughs> but I just like you say, it's like when, when they've got plans and then. You sit there, especially that last episode where it's like he, he got caught Barry, he had him in the trap, and it's like, what have you got me here for? And you're thinking, yeah, what has he got you here for? Surely this is now when his whole maniacal plan comes into action. He's got Barry exactly where he wants him. No, he just keeps him there for the episode while he mooches about and does other stuff. Yeah. And it was also the Barry's escape, you know, where he um, where he stood still really fast, so he was un, like unviewable to the human eye. That's that's fine as an escape plan, but that if if Devoe is as smart as he's supposed to be, he should have seen that coming a million miles away. You know, he should have been like, "Okay, Barry's power set is this. What's going to happen is he's going to try this, and I'm not going to fall for it." Or why didn't he just put some kind of power dampener in the force field? Because otherwise, Barry wouldn't have been able to get out. Yeah, not only is he behind a force field, but there's also a power dampener stopping him doing anything sneaky, you know. Yeah. It's especially when he's obviously gone to such great lengths to develop a force field that can hold Barry properly. Yeah. You know, you would his think just putting a power dampener. through the roof. He's got, like, the temple <laughs> chamber under his house and stuff, you know. it's Or who, where is that temple chamber? No one knows. But, uh, yeah, he's, like, burning, like, burning through energy. It's, yeah. And that force field must must cost a bit, you know. Considering that the washing uh, machine on, you know, <laughs> and this this guy's running like massive force fields. Yeah, considering that Joe and Harry sort of swept the house to check for layers. If it turns out that he's just like you pull a book on the bookcase <laughs> and the door friggin' slides open, then I will break down. It's like, <laughs> well, that must be like a, I mean, 
after, well, I mean, it might not be a problem in the future, but after being in his like high tech lair, surely it's like let's find out where in uh, Central City is drawing the most power. It's got to be there. Yeah, well, all these force fields and everything, you know, where, yeah. where is, you know, very unlikely to be drawing that much power and sort of goes against the grain. Oh, there. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Although I did enjoy the um, the episode that was devoted to him. Devoted. Uh. Ah, I, see what I see what you did there. Um, yeah. I didn't even realise until after I said it. I'm, I'm <laughs> not the smartest man alive, but I'm not pretending to be. So Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I quite like that episode of the origins of a villain and I'm getting his powers and, and then why he would go out and then he ends up in the chair, obviously. And Yeah, I, I kind of liked it as an origin, a little origin story, a little standalone thing. There's also the built-in tragedy of it as well. The idea that you know he's right, he has gained this gift, and he's and it's killing him. That's you know there, there's tragedy to that, and he even mentions about the so you've got these you've got these metahumans. They get their powers and they use them to rob banks or hurt people, and he wanted to do good. And then I don't understand what turns him into the uh, the villain that he becomes. Although I do think that his ultimate plan has to be to use Barry's speed force in some way. I mean that seems pretty obvious that he he wants to he wants to do what pretty much every villain in the show has wanted to do uh siphon off his energy and use it to heal himself I suppose Well you'd assume that he is now you know he's in a new body so is that body because of its mind capabilities going to be able to hold the brain and yeah. that because it was sort of like his body couldn't keep up with with his mind or Something like that. So when when they introduced that Dominic guy, I was like, "Oh, here we go. Here's another dead Caitlin love interest." Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> they were getting a bit kind of, well, not flirtatious, but you know that any guy she talks to for a length of time is essentially going to be in some kind of romantic plot with her. You know, you had a uh, J slash Hunter um, Julian. Well, he's not dead. He's just who knows where he is. But uh, he's a, he's a, a Boy Scout camp with Wally. <laughs> yeah, uh, and now Dominic, which they may still go with that, although it's pretty clear that Barry now knows who he is, so now Barry's in jail, which didn't work for me either because he knows he's innocent, there's a dead body in his apartment, the police are coming through the door, he has super speed, this is a problem that he should be able to solve. You'd, you'd think, but plot reasons mean no. Yeah, I mean that you need Barry off the table for the next episode where something's going to happen and the team could really do with a speedster yeah. if only they had one available on the phone. Um, Again, thematically, it's interesting because Barry is essentially working to protect people. He's upholding the rule of law and all that. So at the end of the day, at some point, he has to be faced with the po- with the scenario where he has to trust the system that he's supposedly upholds. So the fact that he turns himself in and he's going to trust the system to get to the right conclusion is in theory quite an interesting idea. It is, but you can kind of predictably tell that it's not quite going to go that way because he already handled the knife, so his fingerprints are going to be on the knife, and then they're going to go, well, where were you? And they're going to say, oh, he was over with us at the Christmas party. But no, he can't be because he was over at the flat so quickly. How could that be possible? You must be lying. Um, And then, yeah. And Barry's obsession with, with DeVoe when he knew the... I mean, he knew the truth. Or at least he thinks he did. Um, well, he didn't know it for certain, but he was looking for evidence. And uh, you, so you had that whole episode where he was running about mad, just like trying to find out some shred of evidence that supports his claims. Um, 
And everyone else is like, stop it, Barry, you're obsessed here. And we as the audience already know that DeVoe's the bad guy because we've seen it, you know. And, and so it makes the whole thing, it's like we're just waiting for half the cast to catch up with what we already know. And it lessens the effectiveness somewhat. I mean, uh, in order to make that work, you might have had to have DeVoe introduced in that episode. It, the the, prob- the problem that I had with it was the, the, bit, the bit at the end. So after spending the entire, and this is the thing about the, the sort of, oh, well, we're going to set him up, whatever, the whole thing about, oh, we're going to lead him round in circles and, and hide it and say that it's not me. And then at the very, very end, oh, he comes to a lecture, he sits in the lecture with the restraining order and everything already sitting there and goes, all right, why not? I might as well just reveal myself now. Yeah, I'm the cackly villain. <laughs> We've got plans for you. And then off... <laughs> Off goes Barry, goes back to everyone who has said, it's not him, it's not him, and he goes, I just went to see him again, and this time he <laughs> revealed it's definitely him. And everyone goes, we don't believe you, Barry, there's no way that he just revealed that he's an evil supervillain to you. They go, all right, we're accepting of this now, we'll just go with it, Devo's the villain, <laughs> and yeah. move on. And they're going, well, he's not brought any evidence, he's just said, I spoke to him, and he said it's him. Uh. Yeah, and the bit where Barry was raiding his house, you know, the fact is he... He even faced through the wall, wearing a hoodie, took the hood off so that it could be photographed, and then proceeded to kind of speed around, but not completely. So there are two ways that he could have stopped himself from being discovered there. One could have just went into the house, kept his hood on, and and vibrated his face so that no one could make it out. Or two, run around faster than a camera can pick you up. He could have run faster than a camera. He could have worn a balaclava, for Christ's sake. He's a, <laughs> he's a CSI. <laughs> you know, I can understand him not wearing the Flash costume because yeah. it's not going to be like the Flash broke into my house kind of thing. But wear a balaclava and travel too fast for the cameras to pick you up. And that way you're just covered. It just looks like any person breaking into his house. Yeah, he could have done that without being discovered. That's another plot thing that needs to be done. It was just like a a bit of Barry being stupid because the plot needs Barry to be really yeah. stupid, you know. And in the several like in the ways that different metas have escaped him, it's just Barry being a bit dopey at that particular yeah. moment in order for them to escape. It's also a bit of a shame that you've got um, rid of Neil Sandilands already, uh, or presumably you have. I mean, I don't know if he'll appear and there'll be some kind of head um, head battle, you know, that they often do in these mind control things. Mm. Uh, so go inside and Dominic will be fighting back or whatever uh, that's possible but nominally it seems like he's gone which is a shame although I wonder if they're just going to be burning through bodies for the rest of the season and what's his wife going to think I mean presumably she's in love with him and that body so is he there's got to be some ran, some kind of adjustment period to a different everything yeah, I mean, I, I quite like the way they've been playing it up until now, their relationship. Especially when you sort of see the flashback that kind of explains a few things. So, yeah, yeah there's kind of the power couple at the moment. They're they're working quite well together. I mean, House of Cards style they've got a big conniving plot and they're all working together for now. Yeah. But then once their plan is almost complete and he claims credit for it, is she just going to get peeved after all the work that she's done to build it and... You know, the the only way his plan, I think, is going to fail is when she starts to lose faith or wants her own, you know, starts playing to her own agenda. I yeah. suspect that's how it's all going to come to its its head. You're going to have potentially Dominic fighting back within his own mind, along with the wife sort of betraying him in some way or um, 
you know, slipping up. Yeah. And then that's when it's all going to come crashing down towards the season yeah. finale. And it looks like the next couple of episodes are going to be a riff on the comic story of The Trial of the Flash, which I'm quite interested to see, uh, to see how that plays out. Uh, I imagine since Cecile is a lawyer, she'll be involved. I don't know, though, but uh, she must be involved in some capacity, I would think. Um, you know, you've got a character who's a lawyer, why bother paying another one? Um, considering how economic they are with use of characters when it came to Iris's bachelorette party. Mm. Yeah, but is she the district attorney or is she the... I think she so is, she, I think she's the DA. So yeah. she, she, she'd be on the prosecution side then, wouldn't she? Yes, that's. I think that's right. Yeah. 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 Because uh, yeah. it'd be um, the public v... Barry, so Barry will need a, a different lawyer on his side then, mm. unless she's not, well, what they'll probably say is that she's not allowed to prosecute because she's part of the family kind of thing. Yeah, maybe she represents them though. Mm. Who knows? We shall see in January. We shall see in January. So, uh, I mean, on the subject of Cecile, she's pregnant for some reason. Uh, it's another child that uh, that can uh, supersede Wally, I suppose. But um, <laughs> such a shoot. After the success of Wally, we bring you yeah the other child. I can I can, I can hear the child in the background crying already. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> but yeah, you, you, well, I suppose it's just a. It's a I hate, I hate saying this about kids. We've we've already done one thing about kids, but it's like <laughs> insert the plot device. Um, yeah. Although Joe's reaction to like finding out he was going to be a dad again was great, you know the look on his face was priceless. And then the way they approached that, the whole um, you know he's not like he's apparently he's not quite fifty yet, and uh, the prospect of raising another child is exhausting to think about. Uh, well, he's already got Iris and Barry and Wally. I think that's enough for any man. <laughs> Guy deserves a medal. I know. Jeez. Yeah. He has, uh, he has some kind of bizarre incestuous marriage in his own house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have much to say about that. It's just another thing that's going on. Uh, Cecile's pregnant. I was like, okay, really? Um, fine, I suppose. We'll see it gives other character motivations, reasons yeah. for, you know, all, all his kids now are sort of independent, so it's... Um, yeah, it sort of changes Joe's motivations a little bit and his forward thinking, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Um, so what are your highs and lows of the season so far? Uh, anything particularly good or particularly bad that we haven't already discussed? Ooh, um, I've al- we've already kind of discussed the fact that they've kind of got the team back together properly again. Uh, they're aiming or they seem to be trying to fix some of the flaws, so I'm quite happy about that. Uh, lows, the Iris... West wedding type thing, Barry Allen, <laughs> Allen West West yeah. wedding thing. I'm like, Duh. but you know, that apart from that, yeah, it's just it's still ticking along. I'm not, I'm not rushing to each episode like I would like to. So mm. that's about. It. Yeah, I'm, I'm much the same. I think it's, I think it's better. They've they've taken some steps to fix things. I think uh, giving the female characters something something more to do is a good move because they were kind of oddly marginalised in previous seasons especially Iris, and the, that shows that shows really uh, obviously in the episode where um, her bachelorette party, where her guests are Felicity, who she's spoken to like twice, um, Caitlin, 
who they established they weren't good friends before this point, her dad's girlfriend, and um, was that it? That was it. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. So she apparently made no friends while she was at um, the newspaper or college or high school or anything else she's ever done in her life. She's apparently made no friends, no other female friends. And that, that kind of shows how poorly developed she's been up to this point. I understand the whole economy of characterization and, you know, the, you have to pay extra actors and they're standing around. It's like, who the hell is this? Um, but at the same time, for crying out loud, like she's, I mean, she's ostensibly like a popular, attractive, friendly girl, isn't she? So therefore, should she have made some positive impressions on people over the years? You'd think so. Well, like you say, you know, she's had her own work life, you know, she's had her own independent life for all this long, so she should have her own friends, and you would think they would maybe show some dotted about, but like you say, even in the wedding, you don't really get that much of an impression, you know? Both yeah. sides of the room are pretty busy, however, you don't meet any of them, so... Yeah. Um, strange. It's just... But they are they are taking some steps to fix it. Maybe Iris is just one of those people that as soon as she has a boyfriend, she just forgets about everyone else. I've met those people. <laughs> Just a thought. Um, could be. It would explain a lot. Uh, I understand Barry's lack of attendance at his bachelor party because, you know, kind of a nerd, kind of an outcast, kind of an outsider. Although, a line mentioning why Oliver wasn't around would have been fair, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think that would have maybe worked a little bit. Yeah. Um, who knows? It's just it's a bit nitpicking, but they've taken steps to improve upon their, your female characters here. Uh, the villains okay, although the execution is a bit off off center. Um, I don't know. It's just okay. It's better. It's watchable here and there. I'm not I'm not finding it painful to sit through every week, and that's that's definitely something worth celebrating. I think definitely. Last but by no means least, uh, I debuted a new feature on the. Flash reviews this uh, this season so far. Every episode, I've had a little column uh, within the review called "Where's Wally," because every week the question exists: Where is he? Even when he's in the episode, he's like knocked out. He's not there, uh, or he's otherwise being useless. Uh, well, not useless, just not used. And I think that I think it does a real disservice. I mean, I understand that having two speedsters around is pretty expensive. But also, why do they have this character if they can't be arsed using him? I completely agree with you. I mean, a lot of the times when Wally's in an episode, he's essentially propping up one of the pillars in the sort of cortex bit, standing there in the background, not being used, not getting to to really interact with the plot at all, apart from occasionally ask Cisco a science question, you know, for the audience. Explain to me why this works kind of thing. Yeah. But then, you know, the question is always there going, why could they not just use Wally at this point? Why have they not called Wally? Why is Wally not there? Especially when they open the season with, well, Wally's been doing your job while you've been away. As much as you go, yeah, maybe Wally isn't as polished as Barry, he has been the Flash for the mm-hmm. city while uh, he's been away with his yeah. little team. So why would he suddenly disappear off and vanish? Yeah, he keeps mentioning about going on a pilgrimage to Blue Valley to find himself and 
And then he came back a couple of episodes later and said, I don't know if I found myself or not, I'm just back. And then, you know, he wasn't at Barry's bachelor party. He wasn't there when Barry was kidnapped. Uh, he buggers off during the crossover after the first episode. So they just he's just so underserved and I feel really sorry for the character because I think there's a lot of potential there. I feel sorry for the character and I feel sorry for the actor as well. Yeah. I mean, the thing is they introduced him because they wanted the... They wanted to do that plot. They wanted to have them there. They wanted to, and then you go, but you've not had any plan to use them beyond that. They had their one yeah. plot thing that they, the one street that they wanted to do, and then they went, and now what? Yeah. Uh, well, we can't have them around because it makes situations too easy to solve. Uh, we don't want to kill them off because that would that's unnecessary. We don't want to kill them off. Well, what will we do? Oh, get them to go to a spiritual retreat. Get them to just go somewhere. away and just leave it like that and it's just really lazy and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shame really yeah they just need to pull the pin on putting them in another show you know legends of tomorrow which we're about to come on to uh has has a job opening uh in their roster Uh, there's the new titans tv series based on the teen titans where there's just been a picture of robin released it looks cool uh that's um that's a place he could go if it's set in the same universe. Or even if it's not, they've got a universe-hopping speedster on the team. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, but I think just finding something for him to do. Either have him in the show or don't. Don't do this stupid half ass thing that they seem to be doing all the time. I mean, there's a lot of speculation. I mean, you were the first person to mention Legends to me, but I see more and more about it now. You know, we're going to come on to it in a bit anyway, but now that two characters have essentially left the show, they've introduced one character that's going to appear now, but that still leaves a slot, essentially, if they want to fill it. Yeah. So it would seem almost natural for them to go, well, we kind of fought an evil speedster before, it would be useful to have a speedster on the team. And I almost thought that the crossover would have led to Wally joining the team. Yeah, you know him kind of proving himself a little bit during the crossover, chatting to Sarah, some sort of cross thing there, or you know Ray or anyone chatting to one of them, and them going, "Oh, you should come with us." You know, you'll be back before you know it, kind of thing. It'll be as if you've never been away. Yeah, and him going, "Oh, sure, why not for one trip or one journey or whatever," and then that sort of tying in. But I don't know whether they would then have the same problem with putting them in Legends that they have in Flash, where it then makes situations too easy to solve, unless you make him grossly incompetent at his, his work. You know, and you go, all right, we can't use him. We've got to make an excuse for him to be sitting on the, sh- on the ship. He's got to break his leg, so he's got to have time to heal. You know, as much as the fact that you're putting him up against sort of Damien Dark that they've got at the moment, it would then sort of introduce a bit. I know I'm going a bit too Legendsy on this rather than on Flash, but... I, I I would like to see him used. I, I feel it's a bit of a shame for the character, and if he is going into Legends, it would explain why they've put him into a holding pattern up until this point. Yeah. If he isn't going to be going into Legends, it doesn't give them any excuse for this weird, wacky holding pattern that they've put in. Yeah. They've either got to properly give him a, a reason why he's not coming back, he's not helping out, He's like randomly popping in and going, oh, I see you're getting married. Well, I will be here for now and then I will leave again. (laughs) How how are you getting on with that thing you've been doing? I am fine and I'm away again. And you go, well, he's he's a speedster. 
He's able to get from A to B very, very quickly. It is not as if you've got to go, oh, well, he wouldn't get here. By the time he gets here, all of this will be over. It's like, no, I can basically pick up the phone or hit an app and he will zip over here within seconds and help us out of this jam. Yeah. And I agree with what you say about maybe in Legends they'd have to marginalise him a bit to fit the plot of that. But the thing is, I think they're 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 good with their character economy in Legends. You know, they they do come across problems that a speedster wouldn't necessarily be useful anyway. You know, um, for instance, they don't have Firestorm in every episode because the situation doesn't always warrant it. Things like that. So um, I do think he would be a good fit on that. And they've already established him and Nate ugh, are friends. That was in late That's true. Episode. I mean, you did, you did have that little bit where he was teaming up with Nate at the beginning, and you know, yeah. So that's that makes for a natural segue. Poor Wally, we're behind you, Wally. Neil before Pod supports Wally. Yeah, we should we should get that as a badge on our Facebook page <laughs> or something. We support Wally. Yeah, but I'm I'm with Wally. You can get one of those little banners that can go on your on your profile. <laughs> cry cry for Wally. Yeah. <laughs> It's not getting to the Justin Bieber type uh, fanaticism, but you know, cry for you Wally, f- thumb, thumbs up Wally, or something like that. <laughs> Though that that sounds a bit rude, really, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Wally. Sorry, Wally, you don't deserve that either. In true Neil before Pod tradition, this discussion is simply too large to be contained in a single episode, so we're splitting it into two. Thanks to YouTuber Einstein one 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 seven for the supplied music, and if you like what you heard, then please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. And we hope you'll join us in part two.